0: Hello, and thank you for listening to the microbinfi podcast. Here we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There's so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody really writes it down. There's no manual, and it is assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan of Enterobase, Grape Tree, and Breakfame, Hey. and Dr. Andrew Page of such works as Plasmatron 5000, Rory, and Gubbins. Hello. I am Dr. Lee Katz, and you might know me from my Tree-Making Pipeline Mastery, or my SNP Pipeline Live Set. Both Nabil and Andrew work at the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where we work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct professor at the University of Georgia in the US. Today on Microbinfi we'll be talking about the ubiquitous SAM format. We use it every day, but how did it come into being? And how do you explain all of its idiosyncrasies? Nabil, why don't you start us off? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think the first place to start is to actually explain what the SAM format actually is. So SAM, the SAM format was set up by uh, Heng Lee, who was working for Richard Durbin at Sanger, and mostly pulled it together over a couple of weeks, and it hasn't changed much since then. And this was back in uh, 2000 and it was first published back in 2009 and, and it was first seen in the wild with uh, BWA, which is a short read aligner. The specification and implementation continues to be managed and developed by Sanger and EBI. And what it's actually trying to capture is it's measuring how re- reads align to a reference and it adds metadata, quality information, it's tab delimited and fairly easy to read. And it comes in three different flavors. So you can have SAM, which is a plain text representation. You can have BAM, which is a binary representation. And you can have CRAM, which is a compressed or potentially lossy archive format. But I think it's I think Andrew is probably the best one to tell us how it actually came into being.
2: Well, I suppose I was at Ground Zero back in the day in Sanger when uh, a lot of this was being developed. And I was in a group called Sequencing Informatics. And at the moment, they're the kind of group that is uh, currently uh continuing to develop cram and sam which is fantastic you know we really do need this kind of institutional long-term support and it's all driven overall by ga4gh so it came into being because before short reads were uh, came about the data volumes are really really low and for the most part these things were locked away in these uh bespoke databases, all the data was there, and the team, of developers lovingly hand-curating everything. And if you remember Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, uh, someone built a chocolate palace. Well, this is what genomics was like back in the day. It was a chocolate palace. But of course, then along comes Illumina with their 37 base uh, single-ended reads, and it just blew everything out of the water. And the chocolate palace came down, because no one could actually keep up with all of the data coming through. And, So it meant that people had to go and actually start making these short read aligners in formats that could actually, and file formats that could actually be used and reused quite easily and could cope
1: with all the extra information and data that is out there. But Lee, before, so do you, I mean, Lee, do you remember before we had such formats like the SAM format, what was there for read aligners? Yeah, we used to,
0: so... Even way back in the day with Sanger, we had um, basically um, Fred and Frapp to align things with each other. And we used Consed as kind of the thing that we used to just like manually put reads together. And it came out, it came, uh, it exported kind of this uh, Blast Crunch format. It was very clunky, not very parsable.
1: I remember getting uh, Fred or Frap to install was sort of a rite of passage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you got like an email saying like, here's the package. Please don't share it.
1: Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, <laughs> it took and all of the folders were sort of hard coded for each project, so it took you about a day to set up set set it up. <laughs> Thank God we're we've moved on from that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I be- still have the email though, just in case I ever need to install it again.
1: I th- yeah, I think I've got a copy somewhere <laughs> on an on a external drive. But then there were other formats like uh, ACE format. I mean, that wasn't, well, that was a little better.
0: Yeah, it actually was parsable and it's very clunky, and I'm glad we don't have to use it again. I was actually digging up um, an old post on BioStars where I was, it's from nine years ago now, where I was trying to figure out how do you parse this thing. It was awful.
2: And what was Ace so, Format used for?
0: It was it was used for 4.5.4 um, mainly. I think that there was an Ace Format uh, predating it, but 4.5.4 kind of co-opted it and came up with their own variant of it. Yeah, it was, um, I think the variant was like different coordinates.
1: Yeah, it was the primary output from Nubler, which was 4.5.4's assembler. But we don't have to worry about 4.5.4 or Nubler anymore because 4.5.4 is dead.
2: No, he can't say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't want to be controversial, but yes, it's dead. <laughs> it's dead.
2: <laughs> but I recall that around uh, two thousand and eight, like there seemed to be one new assembler or one new read aligner coming out every week. But actually, I look back and it was only one new aligner every month for three years.
1: That was that was fantastic as a as a PhD student at the time, trying to <laughs> trying to keep on top of the literature for your for your, you know, dissertation, just like, which line is and what does what.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, I came across like five different mappers that I was trying out, but I can't remember what they were anymore. Do you remember like any of the like of the weird ones that you tried out during your thesis?
1: Uh, like novo Align? Um, yes. Saha was one. Oh, we used to use Saha too for ages. Yeah. And then then you obviously had I uh, was bow tie no bowtie was a bit later, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and basically I think most of the world uses uh bowtie and bwa now, or bowtie two and bwA. But um, now we've we've gone to bigger and better, I guess, with uh long reads.
1: Yeah, using mini map, min, yeah, map for the long reads. There were oh, and there were also a lot of um local alignment short read uh local alignment for short reads like what was the Sanger one? Smalt is a lo- is Smalt is basically Saha 2, Saha right. 3. And there was one I used to use called Stampy, which was
0: more on the a... yeah. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, definitely. People were messing around with that a lot. And yeah, because... I never got into that one, but I but everyone was using it.
1: Well, that was that was different to to the uh BWA and the, and the bowtie, because that was actually a local alignment one. So in principle, it's like, yes, it takes longer, but you should get more sensitivity with your alignment, in okay. theory.
2: <laughs> Although I did notice uh, that Minimap 2 will output path format by default, which is just another invention of uh, Hangley's. Lee's.
0: Oh, I don't know that format. PAF? Yeah.
2: OK. I need to double check that, but uh, yeah, no, he, uh, he defaults to something that's not SAM, so <laughs> fair play to him.
1: So speaking of, getting back to, to the SAM format, uh, Sorry. There's, <laughs> a no, uh, no worries. there's a number of different tools that can read it, and I think that's why it's been so successful. So the major one, obviously, is SAM tools, and that's the working reference. If your file doesn't go through SAM tools, well, it's not legitimate, really and then there are other uh, there are other packages such as uh, Picard which is from the broad which, uh, which is sort of paired with GATK and there's cram tools from EBI and cram.js from G- Gmod? yeah i just saw that i
2: mean i've never heard of anyone using it but i suppose it is useful if you're doing some kind of browser okay or maybe Node.js or something i mean like that. yeah
1: i mean if you want to do a bam view in in the browser on um, browser something then it's or gmod then it's pretty good
2: of course they're all different languages so samtools tools is c and then chrome tools was java picard uh, gtk would be java and obviously, Chrome.js is JavaScript. And of course, JavaScript is different to Java.
1: <laughs> Never forget.
2: <laughs> Never forget. But
1: even the internal processing of uh, SAM spawned out from HSTS lib as a C library to make it easier to have uh, SAM processing in uh, other tools. And did you work with, with the creators of those?
2: Yeah, there was a guy called John Marshall who uh, did the very heavy lifting to extract. Uh, all of the SAM and CRAM and BAM processing from inside SAM tools and put it out into a separate package. It just made it easier you could include it in other libraries then and make better software without having to reinvent everything. And it meant compatibility was a lot easier if you fix the underlying library once, then you fix it in lots of different implementations. And then uh, someone else called Peter Danicek was also heavily involved in that. And he was extracting out the BCF tools bit into Separate uh, packages to make it just a bit easier, you know, because code basically got massive at that point. After many years of development,
1: and then that is that the basis for certain other modules and other languages like PySAM and things like that. Yeah, yeah. they can
2: just include it, and uh, now it's been take development has been taken over by James Bonfield in the Sanger Institute, he has been there for years, and he was involved in uh, like many different projects, like. I think it's called Stadin and uh, Gap Five and a load of these other things. So you know, heavy duty, long term support there. I remember
0: those guys.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, let's go around the table and because Sam Tools is obviously very popular. There's no, there's no denying that. But what is actually good about it? What do you, what do you guys think is the key to its success? Well,
0: if I. I don't think I have uh, any inside knowledge on it, but like just from my point of view, like a real key thing about the SAM format was it kind of made this this idea of a stopping point. Like you are in your project and you want to find out SNP calls. And I think back when I was naively thinking about this in grad school, like I just wanted to find the variance with no middle step. Like there's no step 1 step 2 step 3 it was like get all my reads and find my snips or find my x and i felt like looking at the sam format was kind of revolutionary like let's stop there let's have all the reads there and then we can analyze from there
1: yeah i think one of the things that i found there were well, there were a couple there were a bunch of different things for me that made it that i liked uh, or still like about it the first thing is that uh, once you start moving into the bam format you can you can stream uh, you can stream all of the operations on your alignment. You don't have to put in this massive five gig file into memory and work with it. You can just immediately jump to certain positions and just extract the relevant parts out of that. Um, and it's also really easy once you get your head around the syntax. It's actually really easy to do the piping in in Samtools. So Samtools view to Samtools sort to to B C you know the BCF tools, and that's just one line, and that was actually really simple as opposed to having to pipe it into one format and change it with a script and then do something else and do something else. And so I found that incredibly useful.
2: Well, personally, I really like the uh, bitwise flags. So you can just say, give me all the reads that didn't map or all the unpaired reads or maybe get rid of all the reads where you have secondary alignments, that kind of thing. So it's very easy just to pull out whatever you want and it's quite quick as well.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of information embedded in it as well, like along with the reads and their coordinates where you've also got the mapping quality there and you've got information about how well it's aligned to the cigar string, which doesn't have anything about the snips. It's just got sort of how that block is aligned to the reference. So it's information about clipping or indels and things like that. But there's a... But any... Secret hidden features from you guys that people should know about.
2: I, li- I like the fact that uh, PacBio have modified the BAM format so that you can have methylation information in there as well. Not modified, but they've added in an extra bit, which is quite nice because it's standard format, you have standard APIs, and then you can get out this extra bit of information that is quite useful with this new th- sequencing technology.
1: And that's put in on a, as like on a base-by-base level in the pileup yeah. or on the reads? It's on the reads. Yeah. So one of the
2: best hidden features that I like is called Samtools stats, and you can use it with plot bam check. So it will give you lots of information about the reads, and it'll give you distributions about the insert size and uh, different biases. And it's really really useful, particularly when you start plotting all of this with plot bam check. It gives you pretty pictures, and it's just a really really fast way to get an idea of what is actually in your file and
1: how it looks. Is this one of the tools that print your pileup in ASCII? So you can no, s-
2: no, it's. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what it does <laughs> is it it out, it does an analysis and outputs it into a huge big file that you can't really read. You can if you do head on it actually gives you useful information. The first 30 lines do things like it tells you the number of reads that mapped, um, the mapping qualities on average, that kind of thing, you know, and it so some basic stats, which is really super useful. But then the bottom part of it is basically just the input into graphs in, a, I think, scanuplot. And that's what PlotBamcheck then takes and interprets and makes pretty pictures.
1: OK. Well, this isn't really a hidden feature, but this is something uh, some people might miss, is you can, you can just grab a subset. Of a BAM file by specifying the name of the chromosome or name of the sequence, the start and the stop. And that allows you to take a region of interest and just clip that straight out and just work with that subset of the reads that map to that region. And that is much easier to work with than having to pass the mapping across an entire uh, chromosome. But that's not really a hidden feature. That's in the manual. You just have to read no, it. No,
0: that's really cool because, I, I mean, like, along those lines, it's it's a highly parsable format and you can pipe it. So it's like you, you want to analyze just like one section of genome, I love it. You will just say, just like you were saying, like you pick your coordinates, and it'll jump right to that spot on the file and give it to you very quickly. That's really awesome.
1: There's one sort of concept in, in, the, SAM, in the SAM format that's a little confusing, which is the soft clipping and hard clipping and, and what that actually means for, for reads. And what it what it essentially boils down to is it's trying to capture uh, situations where the entire read doesn't necessarily map. So part of the read or the middle of the read is mapped to your reference, and then there's this bit hanging off the end that doesn't that doesn't align. And it I think it's up to the discretion of the mapper, but sometimes they will soft clip it, which means that the those bases that don't um, align aren't part of the alignment, but it's actually retained in the read sequence in the BAM file. And other times they can be hard clipped where they are not part of the alignments and they've been removed from the read sequence as well. So it's sort of, the tool itself has decided that this is totally irrelevant and it's just taking it out to simplify your, your result for you.
0: So what, what is the advantage of soft clipping versus hard clipping then? Well, your
2: file is smaller if it's
0: hard clipped. That's what I would think. I think I've done that before just to make sure I get small file sizes just to be like a good citizen on my hard drive.
1: <laughs> often often the hard clipping is when it's like hundreds of bases that are hanging off the edge that really don't make any sense and they're just hard clipped off.
2: So yeah, I've seen a lot in uh, long reads when even have not poor sequencing.
1: Yeah, in those cases, it's like 3,000 bases are hard clipped
2: off. Well, Chimeras or whatever. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, actually, what, what's actually happening is, oft, uh, for me, in the wild, when this actually happens, is it's usually indicative that it's sort of you map to a, a duplicate region or a collapse collapsed repeat or something like that, and you've actually got yeah, chimeric reads that, are, that would be different, that it's a du- uh, duplicated region, but are, the flanking region is different. But they sort of get collapsed into one area. So that's generally why... To me, that's the major reason why you'd see this sort of clipping issue. I don't know if there's any other instances where you'd see clipping. No?
2: Right. Well, maybe if it's split over two different chromosomes, you can see that sometimes.
1: Yeah? Oh, yes, yeah. You'd see that as well. Uh, If it's all different contigs or different chromosomes, yeah.
0: That's cool. So to to visualize these things, um, I don't know, I, I think... Early on in grad school, I started off with Artemis. Um, And did that, I'm not even sure where they came out of. Was was that from Sanger?
2: Uh, Yes, I worked in the group that developed it, and it was uh, Tim Carver. Tim Carver was maintaining for many years and developing it, and he developed a BAM view, and then BAM view got integrated into Artemis. So Artemis has really good support for BAM and CRAM, and I think it was one of the first viewers, it was the first viewer that actually incorporated CRAM support uh, very, very early on. And yeah, you can just use it in, you can pile up all your reads on top of your reference genome or your annotated reference genome and it's quite handy. I use it all the time. It just works.
0: I used it um, for things that were not for, for mapping reads. Um, but like I had like a lot of exposure to it just for looking at homology of genomes. It was, it is really cool. There are a lot of hidden features that I just have never used on it. So thank thank you to, to you and Sanger. Well, on me who is uh, <laughs> Tim Carver. <laughs> thank you, Tim Carver. I think later on, I started using the text viewer cause I just, I am a fan of using ubiquitous software. Like I'm that guy who uses Xargs instead of parallel. Cause I know that parallel, even though parallel is a lot more feature rich, I know that XR exists on any computer I'm gonna go to, so just like that, I just along the same lines, I use Sam Tools Text Viewer, and it's extremely—I don't know—it's it's not feature-rich, but it gets the job done, and it's awesome. So I mean, I—I I don't know how else to put it. I just use it all the time.
2: It's also very very uh,
0: fast. Yeah, it's really uh, lean and very fast. I agree with you. So it just pops up right away as soon as you want to use it. And if you know, just like earlier, like if you know like the region you want to go to, just like also tell it the region you want to start off on too. It gets right to the point. I also use, um, uh, right after that, I remember I actually went onto Tablet. Um, But soon after that, I actually, I didn't use Tablet for too long. Like it's really good. It's lean. But for the cost, of like the computing cost, I actually thought that IGV from the Bird Institute was a really good deal. It has basically everything I want in a read viewer. Just you can visualize the reads, you can make regions, you can import regions like genes and overlay them. You can overlay like five different genomes at once and see how they all align. It's really cool.
1: I really like the the track system in in i g v it's it's at at the time when it came out that was probably the only tool if you wanted to look at ten or twenty different genomes mapped to a single reference at once that was really the only way you could do it I think, yeah, with it making sense <laughs>
0: <laughs> no absolutely you're right um i don't I know it wasn't just this last year, but then. I became aware of ASCII genome also this last year. Um, but when I look up the actual article, it was in 2017. So um, that's been under the radar for a while, and I think it's a really good drop-in replacement for the samples text viewer. Again, I have my bias just because I want my software to be on every computer I go to. Um, but it looks really good.
2: So uh, I, w- I just want to talk for a minute about Cram and HDS Because this is really the future of uh, the SAM format. So CRAM is like a compressed format of SAM. And it's compressed and it's binary. One major issue is that uh, data volumes are going up exponentially, but the costs of hard disks are going down very slowly at about, I think, 20% a year. And in some years slightly increased as well when there have been uh, natural disasters. But CRAM overcomes it by allowing you to actually throw away a little bit of your data and it was developed originally with uh, Vadum in EBI and James Bonfield in, in the Sanger Institute. But EBI are like the overall drivers of the specification. It's now been taken over by GA4GH, the Global Alliance for Genomics and Health, who are, I suppose, the overarching working group and committee that uh, make sure it stays in the pristine format that it is. But anyway, the need for better compression uh, came about because BAM was just a way of compressing binary data, you know, taking your ASCII, turning it into binary, and then there you go. And it, it was grand, but if you think about what you need now, if you have 200x coverage of a bacteria and 200 of those reads match the reference, you don't really need to keep all 200 reads. You can just say, this is the same as the reference, and you can throw those away. Um, But Cram lets you tune that, so you can say how much data you want to keep and how much you want to throw away. And maybe you only want to keep the snips to the human reference genome or whatever. Um, But most people use it with a loss less compression, so you don't throw anything away. In 2011, there's this competition called Sequence Squeeze to see who could get the best compression of short read data. And it was like an international, very highly competitive competition with people from you know, Russia and the US and, and the UK. And James Bonfield uh, won that overall from his windowless basement. They literally stuck all the developers in, in the basement at the end of the car park. Um, nice offices though. And then this fed into Cram Eventually, it's, he started off, with, I think, with Scramble, it was called. Uh, but, uh, under the hood, basically, Cram takes these blocks of uh, reeds, it reorganizes them slightly into a more compressible format, and then it compresses those with uh, G-Zip, I think, and then it, it chains those together. So that means you still have, mostly, have uh, random access, as long as you don't mind uncompressing a block at a time, and you get much better compression. Because maybe if you keep all the, the reads together, you can compress those because they're mostly the same letters. And if you keep the quality scores together, you can compress those better because they're all physically together and they share the same stuff. And you can get like 40% or 50% uh, space saving just by using CRAM over BAM, which is just insane. And I should point out that nobody should be using SAM these days on its own because those files are just insanely big. They, uh, there's no need for it when you have two other formats
0: that are much smaller. Why were they in the basement? <laughs> the windowless basement?
2: Yeah, in, in Sanger. Well, in Sanger, they decided to put all of the sequence, sequencing informatics and developers and people supporting them into a refurbished basement. And I lie, you know, there's a big open plan office which has some windows at a kind of head height, so you do get a bit of natural light but i think james i recall was in an office that was kind of an internal office to that even and so there was no natural light at all um but they were nice offices you know they were brand newly refurbished with you know everything you could possibly hope for apart from when it floods there are flood barriers you know at all the doors <coughs> which is what you get when you build on a floodplain. but anyway that's that's an aside right so the first working implementations of CRAM were actually being done kind of collaboratively and kind of competitively. So in EBI, which is a different building to Sanger, like literally there's like 20 meters away from each other. And they were building their implementation in Java and then in Sanger they are doing in C. And eventually the C version just got more usage and, and won out. But uh, it was good as well by having two different implementations of one specification. It meant that all the little issues were teased out pretty quickly. And it meant there's a lot of scrutiny for the format, which made a very robust format that's going to last for many, many years.
1: So why don't we use Cram outright instead of BAM right now?
2: Cram was developed originally as like an archive format, so for EBI, people like that. Um, I suppose... The limitation would be that there isn't as much support in tools for Cram. So it's until you have that critical mass where it's just everywhere and you can't avoid using it. And also then you need to be able to download it from Archive. So when NCBI start providing everything in Cram, then you know, you're onto
1: a winner. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Get on it. Get Cram support into your various tools.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need to get that in my... I need to actually start learning how to read Cram. Is that the internal format that they archive in EBI?
2: Um, I don't know exactly what they do because they do provide everything in fast queue format, you know? So mm. although they, they do ask you to provide Cram or they, they like to have Cram, if you give everyone back fast queues instead of Cram, then that's kind of defeating purpose. But, you know, there you go. Um, there is some limitations, though, with BAM, and I, I see it coming to an end because of long reads, So, there's a problem with the cigar string where you can only have 64 kilo- kilobases. Is it kilobase or kilobytes? W- one of those. Anyway, there's a limited uh, length of a cigar string and when you have really long, noisy reads coming from Nanopore, it just kind of breaks it because the cigar string gets too long for bam. And there was like a, a month or two many years ago where there was this competition between the long read club where they kept getting longer and longer reads, and then the developers of SAM tools going, oh, you know everything is breaking. So it took a little while for that to settle down, but now Cram works for really long reads and there's no problems anymore. And if you are doing long reads, you have to use SAM or Cram, but not BAM in between. So. That is a pitfall and I've fallen into a pitfall a few times where I've been working with long reads. I've done a mapping, converted to BAM, and I uh, went, Oh wait, it's just broken, it's fallen over.
0: Actually I think I've done some projects with uh, nanopore where we do minimap and mini-map two and and we get a BAM file in the end, but it doesn't give me any warning. Like is it is it secretly dying?
2: Well, no, you, you, when it dies, you'll know it dies, but you may spend half a day trying to debug it. You know, why is it dying on this one particular read that's like 75% away through your file, you know? It's just one of these random things that really drains your time. And then you'll probably find that if you just use cram instead, that actually everything will probably just work.
1: Huh. Good to know. That's, yeah, that's very good to know. But, all right, but then where to next? What's the future for Sam? So it's a robust format. It's well. It has some very well-supported implementation. Despite some teething problems with long reads, I think it's going to be around for a very, very long time. And I think just some of the history we've been talking about in terms of the collaborative nature of it, the community involvement, is really a good example of how uh, critical bioinformatics projects should be run. Any final closing statements from you guys?
0: I feel like I learned a lot here. Um format is just like ubiquitous. it's my bread and butter for a lot of things. but I feel like my eyes have been open that there is a new format in the future and, and maybe even after that, like something can always be improved on that's pretty, and that's really cool.
2: And I like the fact that uh, most bioinformatics software has a lifespan of three or four years, but in this case because it's been so well managed and developed over a long period of time, and it has this uh, international backing and committees and whatnot, making sure it continues into the future, and it's all on GitHub as well, so the community can interact and uh, propose changes, that this is a model for how we should be developing all bioinformatics software moving forward. So,
1: so as a final, final question then, if we did not have the institutional backing for the SAM format, Would it be anywhere near the state it is in today?
2: Highly unlikely. We probably have 20 different mapping formats that we have to convert in and out of, like we do for many other formats, like annotation.
0: Yeah, I think we'd be stuck with ACE.
1: (laughs) I think we'd be, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it would be every little PhD project or postdoc project would have a new format that you'd have to take care of. And then each uh, sequencing instrument vendor would come up their own format as well so you know you would be back in you'd be rolling back
0: progress all it takes is a windowless basement thank you all so much for listening to us at home if you like this podcast please subscribe and like us on itunes or google play and if you don't like the podcast please don't do anything this podcast was recorded by the microbial bioinformatics group the opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.